and welcome to another beautiful episode of The Momos and the Appas, a podcast discussing the Avatar universe's folklore episode by episode. We are your hosts, Eric Lavibri, Dr. Amber Jones, and Jessica Dracero. We're continuing our journey through Avatar The Last Airbender, Book to Earth, Chapter 15. Tales of Ba Sing Se. In this vignette-heavy set of mini-episodes, we watch snapshots of the lives of Team Avatar, Iroh, and Zuko in Ba Sing Se, and say goodbye to a beloved character. Hope you have your tissues handy. Okay, so this is... um, This is a big... A, it's like... It's a big deal. It's a big deal episode... Just for one of them in particular, I mean, in general, I'm re- I like I think they're very cute. I think they're really nice tone setters. I mean, starting off with Toph and Katara, we have this really wonderful sort of budding friendship about acceptance and about expectation and relying. Huh? Oh, when they haven't like really bonded together, right? And they I haven't. thought it was really sweet that they that um, <laughs> you know it starts off with like. Everybody's getting ready in the morning, doing their morning routine, and Toph just rolls the fuck out of bed with, like, her glorious <laughs> hair. Um, and um, she's just like, whatever, mud makes me who I am. And we we do get a little bit into why, you know, she, you know, obviously she can't see what she looks like, so she doesn't care in that respect. But, like, also seeing how other people treat her, right? So she finally lets herself be a little bit girly. She finally lets herself be a little bit pampered and, like, be with her friend and wear makeup and do these, like, she does this, like, silly, like, thing with, like, the mud on her face where she, like, scares, like, you know, one of the attendants, which is, like, I thought it was really fun and really cute. And they're having a great time. They both feel gorgeous. They're walking down the street. They you know, uh, full makeup. The first time we've really seen them, like, done up. I mean, like, we saw them done up at the party in the last episode, but I feel like this is the first time where it was, like, their choice, right? Yeah. Like, And uh, Toph's choice especially. So she's allowing herself to be girly and to have, like, this moment where she's actually connecting with another woman, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And then these three bitches are walking across this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this uh, uh, bridge. And they're like, oh, hey, you look really pretty. And not, like, basically. And you see, like, Toph go from, like, having a great time to just, like, it, like the mask comes back on, right? And, mm-hmm. like, now she, like, is like, okay, I'm going to protect myself again. And, you know, the, the girls tag team them and throw them in the river, which I thought was fun. But, like seeing her reaction to how people treat her um Mm -hmm. you know when when she really is just she isn't even like trying for anybody else she's trying for her and she's just having a good time feeling great Mm -hmm. um i thought that that was really i thought that that was a really good um scene to like kind of like contextualize a lot of why Toph is the way she is you know strike first you won't get hurt if you're the one that's doing the punching right away or you know you have this like exterior so you know like just just those walls that you know you put up and like her especially like why she puts those up again being the earth bender that she is uh, like also emotionally right yeah um so I thought that that was really there is so much that i liked about this uh first story uh one 
just like of the many like fictional places I wish I could go to I wish I could go to the fancy lady day spa it looked nice they went mudding they you know got like nice mani pedis and stuff like that um exquisite yeah um I definitely would have gone um it looked like so much fun um I even so I personally really love the interaction with um the three fancy bitches that they uh (laughs) run into like because one like those fucking idiots they're talking to the richest girl in the world she can buy and sell your whole family girl like (laughs) (laughs) like so dumb so so dumb um i i like the like little details in the artwork obviously because if you like look at like the three girls they run into like they do have like very specific like tailored looks that you can tell like they all have like some version of like the latest highest style like Mm -hmm. sure katara and toff like went to the spa and they put on like just general makeup and stuff and they're like um yeah these bitches have never been in a sephora or something like that (laughs) um which is like basically how they (laughs) treated them um and i just i really loved toff and katara having their mean girl moment (laughs) just being like oh yeah you know like she is from the middle of nowhere and i am literally the richest girl in the world we could care less about you yeah um and like <laughs> really harsh treatment <laughs> like literally i mean made them fall through the bridge and then washed down the river that's like the most humiliating thing ever i mean they absolutely deserved it so like for context like i mean these (laughs) these three girls just walk by katara and toph they have no interaction with them previously they don't even know them they just saw two girls down the street walking Mm -hmm. around and feeling good about themselves and decided you know what uh i'm gonna tear them down for no good reason right and like i like there is like a viciousness especially to young girls like to tear each other down for absolutely no reason um and (laughs) I, I don't know. I, I thought that it was, like, wonderful because, like, I mean, they're, like, feeling themselves. They're having a good time. And, like, these, like, three bitches come up and they're just like, oh, you're actually ugly. And they're like, oh, you're actually, you're, you know what? Maybe you're right. Oh, my gosh. Is she right? Boom. Like, dunk. <laughs> and <laughs> right? you are uh, down the river. They literally <laughs> threw yeah. him down the river. Yeah, but, like, I love. <laughs> I like how that ends with, like, the two girls kind of bonding even more where Katara, like, you know, where Toph lets her down, her walls down a little bit more and says, like, you know, I don't really care, like, about my looks or anything. I know who I am and they can't get to me, even though we we can see that mm-hmm. it is getting to her, right? And Katara just looks at her and says, hey, like, I really like you because you're strong and confident and self-assured and for what it's worth, like, I think that you're really gorgeous. And we see Toph light up a little bit and she's yeah. just like, like looks don't mean anything. Right. But like the fact that somebody says that like she's worth something that she like obviously like has respect for and everything. And that has like actually been there for her in a real capacity. And, yeah. you know, like 
that she is seeing her and recognizing her and her worth. Like, I mean, I think that's, I mean, we've seen Aang do that a lot, but I think that this is the first time that she really takes that to heart, especially after being like tried, especially after, you know, the interaction with the girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I bet like Toph never really expected to have a sister in this life, you know? Yeah. Um, Like one, she is literally one in a million. She's amazing who could even keep up with Toph enough to be her sister other than Katara, you know? Um, and it's just it's just kind of funny, like, talking about it and hearing it out loud. And I was like, maybe that's why, like, Toph's daughters are always at each other's throats, because it's just maybe. like, um, you know, we were born to be extraordinary. And, like, if you're not extraordinary, too, you just can't hang. Um, and so I feel like Toph is in this story like letting her be surprised a little bit that like this person who like you know she respects definitely she knows um that Katara is a warrior um also like you know likes this girly shit so like I'll check it out see if it's okay um and she saw the merit in it she was like oh this is nice and so i'm sure she's I think had to that... do it before too right like as like the most rich girl like she's had to do it before but it hasn't mm-hmm. been her choice and so i yeah. think this was also the first time where it's like not only is like you know you're so right where she sees katara this strong ass woman that like is a warrior and like you know like one of the strongest vendors and like you know has like the strongest heart of anybody she's ever met like be like oh i'm gonna be girly right and like to her have her be like yes and and i think like when i talk about like how female friendship is often portrayed on the show like i forget about this episode and this moment Mm -hmm. uh, because this is like this is a moment where they really are friends and yeah um and yeah so this is the first time that it's like Toph's choice and she's like oh maybe maybe this is for me so before it was an annoyance and now she's like letting herself like actually enjoy this experience of herself being Mm -hmm. pampered yeah i mean it's also why i like this sort of this episode as these sort of like mini episodes because mm-hmm. it's none of it is narrative driven none yeah. of it ha- is in service to the larger narrative and i think the relationship between katara and toff is solely almost exclusively driven by their one main goal which is to help and yeah. save the world essentially and so we're getting to see them outside of the context of like literally helping this guy accomplish this thing and they're just like oh we like we don't have an excuse anymore to be around each other so like okay, like, yeah, let's go, let's intentionally go and, like, do something together. Yeah. This episode and it's not, passes like, the it's Bechdel just, test. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, I've been seeing so many fun Bechdel test tweets. Yeah. But, yes, it's, uh, I do, I do, I like it for that reason. And I also want to bring up, too, as a whole, the the whole episode, all of the short stories, I really like it from a folklore perspective. I know mm. that that's part of, like, our our sort of overall statement mm-hmm. but like th- this uh, this episode is so so it, it's like it is so 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 it's so <laughs> what is the word it is so on the nose and that's not what i'm looking for but you know it's so specific to the idea of folklore right like yeah, it's, it's a small episodes with this nice wrapped up archetypal thank you yeah exactly there's these like archetypal 
folk tales almost mm-hmm. like through the lens of these characters we're familiar yeah. with but at the end of the day it's like we have these characters they face a problem they overcome the problem a lesson is learned mm-hmm. each one has one of these things mm-hmm. and uh i just really like that that's included in this because again yeah. this episode doesn't have to exist like no what it, what but a I'm weird so sort of it does yeah what a strange genre outlier mm-hmm. but when it comes to what this show is so good at, which is story, 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 story. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy they included this sort of mini set of folk tales that just reinstills the notion that like, it's all about story. It's all about intention. And yeah. it's all about like teaching almost. And I think this, this whole set is like a really, really emblematic of that. Um, what I feel like the show is already so good at doing. Another thing I like, I'm sorry, Jess. No, Did you add something connecting to no, that? Because I'm please. Uh, another thing I like about this first story is I think it adds even more context to uh, Toph and how she has learned to kind of negotiate her own disability. Where, um, like you know, she recognizes the ways she is limited um, with her disability, but she also uh, she, it's important to her to embrace all of like the positives and the strengths that come from her disability. And I think she saw or maybe still sees not having to care what people think about her looks as like this ultimate positive of her disability. Like literally, I couldn't care about it if I wanted to. <laughs> And so it's something that I I don't spend any time on it. And it doesn't mean that she's immune to people's judgments. Um, she just always saw it as like, well, this is my ultimate, like, I don't even have to give a fuck about it. Uh, and so I think that this, in this little story, you see her challenged in a very specific way that like, even though she would like to live her life like she has been like liberated from all of these things uh because she's embraced her disability that um that in the real world she is still affected by it and but in like those times when we're kind of uh, stuck out there and attacked and uh, and especially like one of our weaknesses is exposed or something or um, or exploited in some way that like that's when you go to your community. That's when mm-hmm. you have your friend with you who's also going to fuck up those bitches because they talked about you. Um, and so I thought that that was really important. Like you, we saw a vulnerability in Toph here and we know that she's not down for that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and we saw how it was still okay because Katara was there and it's still okay. She can still um, you know, believe in herself and not have to worry about appearances and still be happy that Katara says that she is beautiful, um, because Katara actually knows her mm-hmm. and actually knows what is beautiful about her. Uh, another thing I noticed in um, this little vignette that I don't know if it happens anywhere else in the series, Toph sheds a tear when she's mm-hmm. talking about how she doesn't care what people 
think about her she actually like sheds a real tear and i'm like interesting because i can't think of another situation in which she expresses that particular kind of an emotion yeah i don't know if she does this is this again this is such like a yeah, it feels like such an important part of their story mm-hmm. to watch this. Because, again, she, like, I mean, Toph, she's notably tough as nails. Yeah. Like, she's literally, like, she is not weak. She is not bending. She is, she's, like, unyieldingly strong. Yeah. And sometimes, like, doesn't emote to a fault in, in some cases. Yeah. So to see her actually shed a tear, it is like, oh, hmm, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that she would cool to see. be comfortable enough to share that around another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially somebody who like that somebody being Katara. When thus far we've kind of really only see them again working together for the sake of accomplishing this goal. But even when they're not working together, they're at odds. Yeah, they're they're literally just like fighting each other. Um, so it is it is such a beautiful part of the friendship that you see develop between them. And we also don't really like, maybe I'm, I'm missing it, but like, they, they don't have another moment like this, right? Like we don't really see the, 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 the product of these moments within their friendship. Not so much. It's not highlighted if it's there. They have a moment in season three when they're like fighting a lot and they have the whole conversation about like Katara being like motherly, which is very, oh. very touching. Um, but it would be interesting to see if we can like draw connections between like this particular vulnerable moment to that one, because it is like an order of magnitude more intense emotionally when they yeah. have like their next moment. I don't remember that episode as well. I know what you're talking about, but I'm excited to get there and then refer. We'll get back there to eventually, and yeah. I'll be like, "Remember what I said? <laughs> that um, um, that encyclopedic knowledge it comes from watching the show constantly." You are a resident expert. Absolutely. Starting, uh, because honestly, we're at this point in the second season where when I start watching, I can't stop, and so like a few right. times when we've gone to like do an episode and I've been rewatching, I just like kept watching through <laughs> and I'm just like, the end of season two is just so good. Um, yeah. It oh is very gosh. hard to stop watching. Yeah. At this point. Um, yeah. We've... So I make myself then go to legend of Korra, and then I've like gone through that like once. So our second vignette is a tale of Iroh. And it's essentially Iroh. We're watching him prepare for a picnic we're not really sure what it is, but it is important. He makes it's it very important. clear when he's buying he, his like, basket. You know, gets like the fancy basket. It's not romantic, and it's not romantic. Yeah. You know, he's. But we see him spare no expense on whatever this is, and we assume it's probably for Zuko or something, right? Or somebody at the tea sh- somebody in need, right? Um, we see I him. I think when like, I first watched it, I didn't assume anything. I was just like, oh, okay, it's going on a picnic. I mean, because he's yeah, he's he's one of those characters who'd be like, oh, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to go on a wonderful yeah. walk and yeah. take myself to and a gorgeous this, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the just, story of Iroh on a walk, which would be just as 
Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, granted, I could watch. I would. I would watch. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would be such just as full spit off. Just Iro on a walk. <laughs> Iro's day to day. Um, but yeah, we we see him like help several people throughout like the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's uh the kids that you know uh, are playing soccer, which is really cool the way they play soccer. I'm like obsessed. Yeah. And then they accidentally hit it through somebody's window, and he's like. Oh, it's good to like, you know, like take responsibility. And this guy's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he's like, but not right now. Run. Like, you know, like he's like, got the back. This, this person, this mugger tries to like, st- like, you know, stand him up. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, like <laughs> yeah. your, your stance. And he's trying to teach him to be like, you know, a more threatening. And he's like, this mm. isn't you. What are you doing? And he gets like, and he just starts to talk to him. And he's like, I'm down on my luck right now. Yeah. And they Iroh sit down just, and like, have tea. tea. And by the end of it, he's changed this man's life by just believing in him and saying, yeah, you should be a, a masseuse or whatever it is. Right. Like just. Uh, like I love that he can turn that situation into like the like this life altering like epiphany moment for this yeah. person that was really like just there to cause him harm, you know. Um, uh, so he has like these these little journeys, and then um, it ends at um, at the tree because it's um, his son's birthday. Um, yeah, so he's doing a little memorial for his son, uh, treating him to a picnic just as a day of remembrance for uh, his son who passed away. And it just is extra super duper sad mm-hmm. because immediately after it, we get this title card that says a memory of Mako um, being that this was I mean, I've gone back and looked. It's not the last episode that he voiced, but it is the last episode um he passed away. The voice actor Mako Iwamatsu passed away like right before this was airing. And so it was like, this came out and it's sort of the last, like he's passed. Um, also notably Tony nominee and Academy award nominee Mako Iwamatsu. Uh, iconic. So cool. So fantastic. And it is just like, it's just really sad. It's yeah. like, it is, it is the most, emblematic of like everything that Iroh as a character stood for mm-hmm. and everything that Mako sort of brought to the character of Iroh in this like really touching and wonderful send off mm-hmm. to not only the actor, but like just a send off and a warmth of like grief and of acceptance of death. Like there's yes. just, there's, there's a wonderful ease about the way this episode presents death and, remembrance um and it is just such a a a wonderful uh sort of a not homage but like a wonderful memorandum to this actor it's a perfect send-off um yeah and like knowing what happens and knowing everything like i completely forgot about this episode and just like (laughs) see like i not that i forgot but i forgot it was here right this moment Mm. yeah um, and so going through it and like having him sing this song about his son to yeah. this young boy to try to comfort him. And then at <sighs> the end, like, you know, um, having this song that he's singing, you know, uh, for his son by himself and him crying and just like telling himself like how much he wishes he could have helped him. 
Um, mm -hmm. I think it's it also gives a lot of context <sighs> because he's like, look at what violence and hate did mm. to me and my family and like so at every turn it's why he tries to do the right thing or why he tries to be kind or you know yes, offer the benefit of the doubt you know because he couldn't give that he can't get that he can't get that back you know like yeah. uh, the moment with his son or anything so it's like he can honor his son by trying to help everybody because the one person he wanted to help in the whole world mm -hmm is gone because he didn't realize that lesson, you know, early enough. Yeah. And that theme is so beautifully woven throughout. Like when he's buying the basket, one of the first things he does to like help someone is like, he sees that this flower has wilted and he pushes it into the shade and he was like, Oh, well this moon shade flower, it does best in partial light or something. Mm -hmm. And, and it's such like a metaphor going throughout the entire story about how like things in a negative state are only that way because they're not in the right context. You're so right. Kind of. Yeah. You know, like and there's the crying yeah. boy and he's like, you know, he's some people would hear a crying child and be like, oh, my God, get that child away from me. But he's like, no, he's just at, he's in a state of dis-ease. Mm -hmm. And if you can just help those people get back to this state of ease, then they become this beautiful, they bloom in their selves as a person. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's like the thesis of why we love Iroh, why mm -hmm even though we know that he is a war criminal and he is helping people who may have even lost people in his 600 day siege of the wall but that was him in a in the wrong state in the wrong context in everything bad and so it brought out the worst in him mm -hmm. um and it it's just also such a testament to like his softness. Yes. And again, going back to like the ease of, of like these circumstances that in, in a, in a normal context, you'd panic, you'd be afraid. You would see it for what it is instead mm. of what isn't necessarily on the surface. Like you said, you see it for the context that you want to see it as and not the context that it might be, be. And, and, or can be. And Iroh is just so, effortlessly wonderful in the way that he recognizes the simplicity of pain when it comes to people's lives like he recognize like like the moonflower mm. it's like the moonflower looks fine probably not very comfortable give it the right context and it's it'll bloom it'll be beautiful like again the child like there it's like it's it's painful to us to hear but like he's also in pain he's in distress yeah. there's something going on let's figure out what it is and the mugger like i need this money it's like hey fuck this like i get it <laughs> i've been there i know it do you want to talk about stuff like it seems like you need a an ear it seems yeah. like you need something can i help you get that thing and it's i mean all of these states of just like nobody ever wants to be in these states nobody no. ever like chooses to be in these states of unease and he recognizes that at every point because he was arguably in the 
state of most unease. Like he was a warlord, a war criminal who committed genocide, who committed vast mass murder. Like he is a he is like a prototype for a fucking soulless villain. Yeah. And seeing that he has the capacity to literally recognize that in the right context, he is still just as powerful. The power has yeah. never changed. It's simply the lens the power is seen. Mm. And that everybody has that capability and everybody has that power. You just have to give it its context. And, and that context will allow it to And flourish. allowing yourself to see others and things for what they are. Like a lot of people would just be like, oh no, here's my money. Or like, oh, that's just a crying kid. Walk away, right? But And even like yeah. the flower, right? Well, oh, this I'm not going to touch this dude's stuff. Like, you know, but like... I mean, you know, like I saw the flower and I was like, I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know the, the flora and fauna as well in Avatar, yeah. but I'm like, oh, maybe that's just you what it looks like, right? <laughs> and then when he plan. pushes his back, right? But, but he's so observant of like, of everything and everyone around him. And like, when, like, you know, I, we've all, you know, off pod had conversations about wanting to be more present and wanting to like, you know, be, um, uh, be more in like in the moment and observant and like be like just being here right rather than you know being in a fog and, or being yeah. on my phone or whatever the context is for the well, situation being in tune with the humanity of yes. all people right like and iroh has he's like really into that like he's he's there he's he knows himself well enough he knows his surroundings well like even if he doesn't know his surroundings like he's able to like put his own stuff aside and just to see other people if they're hurting or to see like when something just needs like a little push right and in in each instance they like you know like the the flower needed a little push the the mugger needed a little push the kid just needed a little you know a a song right you yeah. know like we all like we all need some joy we all need to like you know joy is a part of the human experience even if and like you know necessity even if it's not just food or money or whatever like what is life without joy and without music and song and art and you know like just like what is that you know um yeah so for him I to mean, recognize all of that and in all of these different people and not only just like see that and like really see that and see the need but realize that he and that he has the means to do that and he's willing to put the time aside to even though it's his son's birthday who has passed away he wants to go on this picnic to honor his son to do you know like he's going to take the time like even though this is super important to him to sit there and to listen to this man probably talk to him for like three hours about his life and about how he got there right and it's and it's also one of those things so like 100 percent Iroh is the blueprint, base level. He's just so good. But literally, like you're saying, Jess, the level of being present that he chooses to do. Because, like, and like, how many other choice. characters could we see? Because it's a choice. Yeah. How many other characters in this exact moment would be like, on my son's birthday? Fuck. He's like, this is ruining everything yeah. that I wanted today to like celebrate or, like, my son. He could have easily just like knocked him over and been like, uh, work on your stance, dude. Walk mm -hmm. off. Yeah, <laughs> see later. Take his knife. But. It's one of those things where, like, he recognizes that he wasn't able to be present for his son in the way that he wanted to. And so on this day of celebration for his son, he is choosing to be present for the people who need him. For the people, people who, who need 
And he does that for not just on his son's here. birthday, He's here. but every day, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But every, every day. Every single day. And we don't see, like, we see little snippets of that. We see him mostly do that with Zuko, right? But the thing I like about this, the, this, um, this vignette so much is we see him have that same care without Zuko around. Like, you know, like, this is just who with he a stranger. is. I yeah. mean, we've seen him do with that strangers. with, like, Toph, you know, um, and, and in other moments. But I like this little slice of life that this is just who he is on literally any given day, you know? And I yeah. also, um, I think it says <sighs> a lot about, you know, he's able to recognize when people are hurting, even if it's not overt, right? Um, yeah. You know, um, it's overt with, like, everybody that we see him interact with, right? But other people, like, aren't as perceptive, right? They're not as present as there. He's hurting so much. And he, you know... Um, I want to see the version of this story that happens when Zuko reconciles, you know, everything within himself and he sits at the tree with his uncle and, you know, uh. he hears these wonderful stories about his right. son, you know, and, no and Zuko is able to be to present survive. for Iroh and like, you know, be there for him in the way that he needs. Because I feel like Iroh's yeah. there for everybody and Iroh doesn't have anybody that's there for him. And he doesn't really, I, I think it's really important because we don't really see him open up to people in that way. Sometimes Zuko a little bit, but you know, I mean, Zuko's not ready, right? So he's not gonna put himself out there in that way, but he's just gonna be there, like ready to listen, right? But I wanna see adult Zuko, like, and, Iroh go to that tree like and have this moment and have Zuko be able to be there for Iroh in the way that Iroh has been there for literally everybody and I'm crying thinking about this. I, yeah. Yeah, I was I like know that we, we need to commission someone to make that like still cuz like that's how we're going to make our first million you guys like selling that. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> it's just like what a perfect epic like this I know it's only like a six minute. It's less than bit, that, I think. But like, yeah, or less than that even, yeah. But like, I feel like so this beautiful. is one of the most impactful stories in the entire IP of Avatar, Core, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just so, it is so wonderful and like, perfect. And I mean, even the song he sings is like oh, the, yeah. just like Soldier Boy coming home. Like it's just like the saddest, sweetest, most wonderfully heartbreaking moment and it's like crazy i just yeah it's, yeah it's like really intense. just a few uh like notes from this song is enough to put um the strongest person in tears yeah um there's also I a do, cool I do. um flash forward when iroh was shot um by azula a few episodes ago um and he's like in recovery he has like this weird like d like dream or whatever and his dream is him at a tree and his, and him saying yeah. the words my beloved lutin i will see you again um and when we watched that episode weeks back i remember like i kept rewinding that part because i was like i wonder i was like is that the same music tree in tales of bossing say <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's, yes, I yeah. believe it is <laughs> perfect, perfect, no notes. Um, but of course, no this notes. is not a surprise because it's everybody's favorite. 
I just I also love that like even moving forward into Korra, like Mako, they named one yeah. of the main characters because of the actor who played Iroh. They just like he's he is so integral to the story to these characters to one of the most yeah. like quite literally like obviously this character was written and developed as such but nobody could have done this character like this actor like the the love compassion ease and just humanity of the iroh that he brought yeah and just um just the way he embodied it yeah did you find out like when did they switch over actors? Because, like, my brother swears he can tell. I've never been able to tell. So his last his last credited episode is uh, uh, chapter 20, book two, Crossroads of Destiny. So I think he, he finishes the season. Okay. I believe that that was his last episode because I think he recorded the entire season. Okay. They put this placard here because obviously it's like, a very perfect place to put yeah. it but he also he passed away i think two months before this mm. episode aired so i think this episode aired when did he die so he died july 21st 2006 and this episode aired september 29th 2006 so it's about a couple months um so i'm assuming he got all the voice work done for the second season for them to animate and all that stuff before his death and so yeah he's He's technically credited through the end of the season as Iroh, but I think that this was just this was where they placed the memoriam placard because he died as book two was airing. Yeah, I guess I'll so I'll see in book three if I can tell the difference. There's not a whole lot uh, of Uncle Iroh in a lot of book three, honestly. Not really. Yeah. But I will say the actor Greg Baldwin, who did take over the role, mm. apparently he studied what was it? Uh Pacific Overtures, which is what um Mako was nominated his Tony for mm. um when he was on Broadway. Uh apparently Greg Baldwin studied his performance on the original cast recording of Pacific Overtures to get his voice down. Because it was like it's like peak Mako performance, Tony nominated yeah, performance for this actor. Never been able to tell a difference, but I'm, I guess it makes yeah. sense because in season three, it's like him and Zuko are just like back at the. Anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, but okay. interesting, very interesting. <sighs> Wild, intense, and heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah, so but many fucking good, years. good stuff. Yeah. Like. And just so so good like six minutes absolutely devastating and that is just good art right there i like art that can it's just like reduce you in nothing flat with Aang just being a complete fool which I, <laughs> I don't yeah. really care about this one so much it's yeah, just like no. Aang is like, like I don't really I'm have anything find... to say about it it's Aang being Aang and then um, like building it's... an animal preserve out of probably yeah. their crops so like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, land there's, does it there's only 
Yeah. I only like it because there's a quote from it that I think is so funny when he's walking with the zookeeper and the zookeeper is talking about how, like, people don't want to come to the zoo. He says, yeah, the kids don't want to come to my zoo because it's nasty and broke. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like it's like the funniest little throwaway because the language is so goofy Uh because it's like it just feels so out of place. But it's it's like because it's nasty and broke. And I'm like, it's just it's it's so funny and silly. And it it always makes me laugh. Oh, totally. Just like playing with some animals. Uh, and like yeah the only thing i can say about it is like it's cool to see like earth bending not for fighting and like yeah, yeah this seems yeah. like really cool um it also made me think i was like man don't you think that the earth kingdom would have like many more like amazing statues and other like artistic earth man, formations they just built houses and walls <laughs> I know, yeah. like they have like normal like, looking houses. Like I would totally have crazy as architecture if I was the Earthbender. 100%. Because how easy would it be to construct a monument? Like it's literally like, okay, pedestal up. <laughs> okay, craft the pillar. And then it's just, yeah. I mean, truly there should be so most, much more. Even the walls, <laughs> like you have like the coolest fucking embellishments or like, you know. It would, you know what it would all look mm-hmm. like? It would all look like uh, Gaudi, the Spanish architect. <gasps> yeah. Who does like all that crazy sort of like whirly, like he, yeah. like the, the, the Sagrada Familia. Like like it's like the weirdest, craziest shit that's made of like very clear earth. Like I feel like that would be. Oh, could you have imagined if that's how they had like modeled Bossing Say? Wouldn't that have been great? And it just looked like fucking Barcelona. Jesus oh, Christ. God. I would be obsessed. <laughs> Instead, it's just That'd be boring so in walls. Yeah. 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 Um, um, the, next, you know, that's the okay. next one is Sokka, which, again, we're making Sokka the hot guy. Um, yes. Uh, I think I'm pretty... But I do smarty Also, yeah, I, I yeah. was uh, obsessed with the idea of, like, him just, like, you know, jumping in this haiku, like, you know, performance and owning it. Uh, yeah. There's this um, Danny, um, the um, he's on our other podcasts. He um, is an English professor, and he does this, um, or he used to do this when he was teaching because you know the pandemic and stuff. But he used to do this um, whole lecture on code switching, right? Or mm-hmm. um, and on language, right? And like you know the like you know high English, like that whole idea of like academic English versus like, you know, like mm-hmm. how we actually talk versus like, you know, how people in different like, you know, areas and like socioeconomic groups talk or, you know, like there's like what makes it different? Like, you know, this this person is still capable yeah. of all of this stuff. Like all you're doing is like, um, you know, trying to keep the pores out or trying to like, you know, yeah. um, like keep yourself elevated because you had the money to find this vocabulary or something. So it's a really interesting lecture that like, and it's something that uh, I've, I'm fucking obsessed with this idea because like, uh, and I think that this is a great, um, a great little snippet because it's, I mean, that's basically all it is, but I think um, it's just a really great um, episode for like, to further like that sort of conversation you know i'm also like a little obsessed with like the teacher in this little clip like she seems so 
cool. And like she's doing this back and yes. forth, but it's like she realizes she was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like <laughs> um, I don't need this shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she's just like gives up going back and forth with him. I'm just like, oh my gosh, she is so savage. I was like, he thinks he won, and- but I don't think he did. I think she just decided this was not worth her time. Mm-hmm. I, like the whole class was so like severe mm-hmm. and I'm upset because like he would like do something they're like okay fine speak and then he would do say some sort of fuck boy yeah. shit and like, all of them are stoic like yes. yeah or like, like he says something, they're just like we're gonna give him nothing like him fuck yeah. you <laughs> yeah it's like you don't you don't belong here you stumbled into here you don't know what we're doing you can try nice try get like, the fuck we're out we're fine with Thank you, you so being much. here and we, we love like you know, okay, cool, like, maybe show up our teacher. She probably needs to be taken down a notch or, like, yeah. you know. But, like, when you start acting like a fuckboy, get out. Like, I, yeah. I love that there's still that standard. And that's the standard. It's not, like, the yeah. the words he's using or, like, the rhymes he's coming up with. Like, he's not being poetic, quote-unquote, enough, right? Like, the line is fuckboy. And then all the women were like, fuck you, and kicked him out. Yeah. But, like, you rocked what now get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here <laughs> the correct answer <laughs> so it was it was cute i liked it yeah i i always like uh seeing saka um i like seeing him like kind of like excel in like a certain mm-hmm. way and then when he just starts being a, a total idiot just like getting like knocked the fuck yeah. out <laughs> like him yeah. learning the that. boundaries of his ego <laughs> Like, yes, you can be a very clever genius, but also stop being an asshole. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I Um, like how, like, a poetry school had, like, a big brawny, like, bouncer type Bouncer? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just so many interesting little things. Yeah. It was cool. It's it's a fun... It feels a very... It feels very... Uh, Sokka. Yeah. It feels like yes. like a quintessential Sokka episode filled with uh, slapstick violence and uh, casual misogynistic misunderstandings. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, 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 I feel like it's peak Sokka. It's yeah. also interesting because like the reason he like even put his head in there is because he heard them talking about the moon mm. and he wanted to like you yeah. know hear like That's these my girlfriend that talking about like, yeah. yeah my girlfriend right you guys might not know and, this but you're actually talking about my girlfriend and he was just like gonna listen but the then he like pretty, got his I ass kicked her. in there <laughs> right in true Saka fashion so yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so cute. It is. It is. Yeah. It comes from a place of sweetness and cuteness, but it Sokka is just a big goof. So it like it ends up being silly. Yeah, totally. Um, that kind of dips us into Zuko's tail, which is really interesting. (sighs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So Zuko is like the worst date ever. Yeah. Yeah, the Uh worst. But it's like, it's because he's Zuko and you wouldn't want him to stop being Zuko just so he can be like a cute little date for this girl who like is sweet, but doesn't seem to really know Zuko at all. Like, I think she thinks she could like crack his shell. 
She's like, oh, he's so hot. Like, I, it's fine. I can work with that. I also I love him. seeing Zoo. I, I love seeing him. Zuko being. <laughs> oh, yeah, literally. Like, oh my god, I can't fix him. I also love seeing Zuko being bad at dating. Like, yeah. he is so nice to watch. Yeah, because he is like, he's a rich military kid. Like, of course he's not going to know how to talk to girls. No. Of course he's not going to know what to do on a date. Of His course he's not going to know how to do any of this stuff. He's like, is just like a girl that was also in the palace <laughs> yeah like it's like it's like rich kids going to a punk show yeah. i mean like i literally i like yeah i'm i'm cool and you're like you do not belong here you're you're there's there's you're not you no there's something with skills. you that's not yeah you're struggling and we can see it <laughs> like she tries and he does to the point to where he doesn't even know how to make conversation where she's just like Oh, like so. Tell me about yourself, and he's like, uh, "No." Did you say juggling? I can juggle. My favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite Zuko <laughs> moments ever. And she was like, "So, what do you like to do for fun?" And he goes, "Nothing." <laughs> <laughs> okay, like straight I'm... face, nothing. Yeah, nothing. It's so it's funny. It's so funny. He doesn't do I anything also... for fun. <laughs> It's so, it's very true. <laughs> I also love the idea that he can't think outside of like you know where like his like situation or like his stress, right? So yeah. he's just like she knows we're Fire Nation, <laughs> like boy, looking like, at me. Oh my god! Especially yeah, when I drop something oh on god. the ground, and then you're like, mm. um, <laughs> but then like. When he gets all like one of my favorite moments is when he's like walks outside because she goes to she goes to pick him up on his date right on the date, and uh, he his hair was done by his uncle and I'm like oh my god the softest boy the softest boy your uncle helped you get ready for this like, date my, that took my oh uncle my forever <laughs> like okay I wish that part of the tales of bossing Zay was Iroh and Zuko where Iroh is like coaching him on dates and like trying to like help him do his hair because he like was like it took us so long to do this like you don't even understand <laughs> I need that too. and I can just, I just imagine I Iroh being like no this is I saw a young man doing his hair like this this is how the young men are <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> And he's oh like, whatever, God, uncle. So <laughs> I'm gonna uh -huh. put this on my um on my list of like other vignettes that I'm going to need. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is going to be very high up. Please make yeah. these shorts Nickelodeon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I they're yeah, it would be so good. Yeah, and oh my gosh, so like worst date ever. He like calls her fat. <laughs> oh my god, you have such a big appetite. Uh, uh. <laughs> and I'm glad like it, it totally just like rolls off her shoulder I think like when I first watched it I was like <laughs> like um nightmare yeah. I've been like fuck you <laughs> get out of there <laughs> like I it, she is giving him like literally every chance cause he's like fucking up left mm -hmm. and right and she's like I can fix him. I can fix him. Let me, maybe if I take him to my favorite like, spot, then that's going to fix this. And then he'll have the epiphany and then everything will be great. I can fix him. So she takes him to his, her favorite spot. 
in the town, which is like this little pond with like the, you know, and there's supposed to be a bunch of lights around, right? And I, um, I don't really remember what happens with her. I didn't remember this, this tale as well. So I was like, oh my God, is this, is this how he gets captured by the day? <laughs> like she's, which she, she really does really know should that he have. should have happened. Um, but uh, I was like, oh my god she's totally like because uh, there was also like this smile like that she gave him i was like she's totally daily like she's totally daily like she's a she's a spy this is gonna happen she's another judy um but he like is like the they get there the lights are off he's like close your eyes and don't open them and then he like does like the with the mm. fire and then she's like, oh, my God, how did all the fire get turned on? Oh, my God, that's so weird. And he's like, I don't know, smirk. <laughs> and then, like, that's the only time he's, like, been suave on this entire yeah. date. So she goes in to kiss him. And when she kisses him, he, like, is like, ah, I got to go, guy. Goodbye. Bye. I'm leaving. Well, like, they do I've the thing go where it's right like now. she kisses a little and then he leans in and then he runs away. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, worst date ever. Absolutely bad worst day. date ever. Bad date. And I bet, like, afterwards, she's like, I can't believe I showed him my special place. <laughs> and then when Iroh asks him about it, he, like, goes in and he slams the door and he, like, comes in and he's like, it was nice. And it's like, Suko, you need to, like, you know, you need to understand what nice is maybe was it actually <laughs> nice i mean who was it nice for like it wasn't like, bad I mean... for you like a pretty girl <laughs> was nice to you all night long and kissed you right. and you were just a grumpy gus but he's like oh yeah this is great <laughs> but yeah so for what it was it was cute it was cool yeah. to see Zuko super bad at dating because it wouldn't be fair. He's too hot for him to like also have like social skills. Right. <laughs> too hot and too driven. Yeah. Like he's like so single minded. Like I'm sure Azula would be awful at dating too. She is. <laughs> she I mean she is. We know this. But, um, like, I want to see her actually on a date with Tylee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Adding this to my vignette, you know, where it's, like, the first official, this is it, we are dating. And seeing Can her just, imagine like... it just being, like, on a battlefield? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I have a small Iroh update. I did okay. find something that I wanted to include on this discussion um so apparently greg baldwin has one line of dialogue in that episode in this minisode mm. that they added after the fact i think it's after he had passed away mm. um and it's the scene when the boys are playing ball wow apparently all of that is is greg baldwin but everything else is mako oh Very and so that's like the first he's uncredited on the on the episode um, Mako's the only one credited on it, but he technically did do that line of dialogue for it, and that's the only Greg Baldwin we get in the entire second season, and then he takes over in season three, from what I'm reading and from what I understand, which I think is so interesting. Hmm. interesting. I was like, yeah, now I want to rewatch. 
I want to see. I want to see if there's a notable distinction because if that's the yeah. is that I mean, the line as many times can... as I've seen it, I've never made that distinction. So yeah. I'll see if I can just hear one now because I'm looking for one. Yeah, exactly. And then why was that part added? Like I want to go back and reanalyze. Yeah, like what? Why that part was added? Exactly. Like I, I'm wondering as well. I, I felt I, like I that was the, not the most inconsequential because it like did like you know out of all of the scenes, mm. I feel like that wasn't the strongest. Like, it was just you know, like a with, fun with Iroh. Like, maybe it was just like a fun break where everything else was like very serious and intentional this was just like playing balls actually fucking run <laughs> like, <laughs> oh you know. okay so that uh, yeah 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 you know so it. maybe 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 it was just for for comedy's sake i'm not sure maybe, maybe. oh so this momo oh this brings us this to momo one. the final um, tale uh, also really momo good. dreams of appa really good Honestly, not to be like wild, but it's like this for me, the most impactful. I mean, obviously, I love the first mm -hmm. one, but I think just from like an emotional standpoint, yeah. this and the Iroh one are like yeah. tear jerkers because it's it's largely largely wordless. Mm -hmm. It is the Momo's perspective of like Momo missing their best friend. Yeah. Like Appa is gone. I can't stop thinking about Appa. A cloud passes in the sky. And is he back? No fuck okay like dreaming about oppa like i can't like how how are we gonna do this i need my companion i need my best friend and it's like and then it ending with oppa uh, with him um curled up in like in, we're like the, oh the kitties God. that he made friends with right like show him like they're like oh we're helping you this fur we know this fur we know where this is and they took uh took um momo to oppa's track right and like the track in um in the road and momo doesn't realize it and just starts crying curled up because now he thinks that he lost the only thing that he found that was potentially his best friend that his new friends left him and it's... he's just sad crying as it rains in the tra in this big giant track from appa it's like, literally so sad oh my it's like God. so heartbreaking and it's so just like like it's I mean, and granted, I think it's it's fantastic storytelling also as like a setup to the next episode because we get totally. this exact same fucking footprint and it's like you get the context for what's going yeah. on with Appa and it's just Momo's grief is really hard to watch. Yes. And I like that we did get this, that it wasn't just like humans, you know, and this is how they're reacting because like Momo and Appa like really are a part of yeah. like the crew, right? And you don't and think they're much a big reason why about... things happen, right? And so being able to see something through their eyes and that's not just like silly or like just a silly interaction between them, mm. but like this like deep these deep emotional episodes, like I mean people like I mean we've already talked to Iroh, but like, you know, that was that was a big one. But, like, seeing something through an animal's eyes and when an animal is, like, given agency like this, like, it, it's a hundred times worse for me in terms yeah. of, like, you know, just, like, emotionalness. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah. I just, yeah. I also just like it in the context of, like, yeah, like you were saying, they're, they are part of the team. They, like, the, the way that some people discredit an emotion, the emotions of animals and the, their capacity to, like, understand and empathize and like connect with people is always so disheartening because like 
I mean, I know that this is like these animals don't exist. Like, or I mean, lemurs, yeah. But like, in general, I just love stories like this that really do show the, these capacities for grief and for like for joy and for 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 longing and for for fear that animals like have and exhibit and show and like just because we can't communicate verbally doesn't mean we can't communicate and that they can't communicate and i think it's like it's just so good and this episode is so sad yes. and it's like also just from like a whatever perspective like for some reason for me it makes it sadder that like appa's so big and momo's so small <laughs> i know that that's yeah. like a nothing thing but the fact that like momo misses big their big friend, friend yeah. it's like it's so sad. Like it makes it sadder. Yes. I don't know why, but in my it's, head I'm just like it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Um and and thus the momos and the appas, man. Um Thus the Momos yes. and the Appas. Was anyone else a little uncomfortable with the part of the story where it was like clearly like a guy captured this lemur and these cat creatures to sell to a restaurant like i was like yeah. oh. just like a, a touch of racist uh, like it's, this yeah. implication like because everyone knows that like these are asian inspired cultures right yeah i think maybe like in the 90s early aughts it was also it's way out there because like I mean, Bossing Say is huge and self-sustaining and everything. You're going to tell me that they need to, like, capture and eat street cats yeah. and I lemurs. Mean... Like, you're going to tell me that this is, like, I mean, like, maybe in the lower rungs because of, like, you know, economic, like, you know, and the way that economics works. But, like, still, like, where to that, like, I've not seen to that point to where we have to catch the stray cats and eat them. I mean, we we know because the show is made by white people that it's like that thought process is not even going through their brain. We know that it's coming solely and explicitly from a racial biases. Like even if it's not intentional, even if it's like yeah, subconscious, is still it choice. is still the racism inside that's making yeah, them be like cuz cuz to me it feels like, "Oh, well that just makes sense." It's like, "Well, okay, well why does that just make sense?" Explain the racial biases that you're exhibiting because that's all it is. Like to you, it makes sense because there's this racist ideology ingrained in your mm. being. So it and makes you sense to you, makes sense, but it is still but, what it uh, is. Yeah. But it's still, like, it's still exactly what it is. Just, like, yeah. They could have been in the cages and like, that could have been it. They could have just been caged it, or taken to the zoo. And yeah, then that's or like, like you a, know, an, full an exotic animal dealer or I don't know something it, it could have been something be else that it they bonded nothing over. to the story yeah it adds absolutely nothing yeah and it's and the only very cringy yeah the only thing that i could think that like why they would do it is again either just like oh contextually like it would make sense but i think maybe even just from like a was this trying to be a joke or like like what was the intention behind because yeah. again means nothing adds nothing to the story is such a throwaway meh in the context of what we're watching that like was it used was it intended to be used for levity 
Yeah. Is what I'm and wondering, that right? Makes like it more problematic if it was intended to use for levity. Exactly. And so either way, I don't like you're you're 100% on the nose, Amber. There is no other way around it other than it's just a racist stereotype that bled into a story that is inspired by Asian cultures written by white people. That is simply all it yeah. is. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. that is true. A, a show that we hold dear. I mean, granted, it's it's embedded in the structures of our society, and it's just gonna seep in here, and it's still fucking gross. And yeah, that yeah. that is literally why that line is there, and it's fucking nasty. Um, yeah, it's so bothersome. Yeah. <laughs> like because too, especially for a show like this, when it did happen, it's like, are we sure? That's what I heard. Like, there's no way that they could have done. That. Like, there's, there's no way they're that careless. Yeah, right. For 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 a show that is so careful, there's no way that this is just like here. Oh, oops. There's no way that I heard it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's mm. just, it's just, it is what it is. Unfortunately, just a big racist bluff yeah. on the. On an otherwise really, really uh, story, momentous yeah. story. Yeah. But you gotta ruin it with racism. They really did. <laughs> Fucking bogus. Like, for what? It literally, oh, God. It, it does nothing. No, it, and not it to say that, like. It off because it, like, it, it was so easy not to yeah. do. Yeah, so it's it easier not to do. It adds like nothing. I mean, grandma. racism is always bad in all of these things, but like, yeah. especially when it's just like thoughtless. And not to say know? that, like, if it had some sort of merit or weight to the story, yeah, that no. it would be justified. Exactly. It would be like, but it was yeah. so but, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was like so funny when they made that joke. It literally wouldn't change no. anything. But but the fact that it it is so mm. careless and empty makes it feel even like more yeah. harsh like specific because choices it's like, should be for specific reasons yeah. yeah and so it just it just it makes it even it makes it feel even yeah. worse especially because like so much of the show like is intentional right like you know um but i mean they've they've done this a couple times with racism and sexism yeah. and all yeah. of the other is an able not a perfect and, show you know not yeah. a perfect show. We would write it better. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Not we would not. We would punch it um, Give us a chance, Nickelodeon. We could write a really good. Do it. Oh my God, literally. Or like. I mean. Someplace that would let us I write an R rated version. Are you applying again, Eric? Oh, I already did. I submitted. I am. I and submitted to the like, Nickelodeon Writers Program last month. And look at where this is. Like, I know. Mm-hmm. I had to write a brand new pilot and a brand new spec. Uh, so I got two new scripts out of it, which is cool. But like, cool. also, as we're watching the Dan Schneider collapse in real time, it's gorgeous yes. because that means let's get rid of some of the badness. Like, let's let's flush out some of these toxic characters. And I know he's like no longer affiliated and it's been years, but even then, like I'm sure there's still um, some like, yeah, people never here. put the right energy into fixing what can be fixed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like let everyone us, just wants to it. put all the energy into talking about all the creepy, gross things he did, which I'm sure like we'll never hear the end of, but like, so let's do some damage control. Let's like, let's help some people let's mean, because obviously, like, yeah. 
Jeanette McCurdy, she's like 22 or like she's a tiny little lady. She has a lot of life left. Yeah. You can be doing a lot of things to help her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Absolutely. What a mess. <laughs> Bring us in. Let's clean out the toxic. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I think that's it. I think that's it. For this one. This was a big, big compendium piece. Oh. <gasps> um, Thank y'all so much for joining us for another gorgeous little episode of the Moments in the Opera. Yes, the music and the editing were done by Eric Lefebvre. Artwork by David Tercero. Please do not forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us so much. Uh, and remember, Uncle Ira was a war criminal, but that's not he all. Was he was a war criminal. It's war. true. R.I.P. Mako. Yeah. Committed. Uh, shout out Slay. Yeah. Um, the the being goodbye. who is Iroh lives on. <laughs> the being who is Iroh lives on, even in the spirit world, yep. as we'll see in the next series. But um, yeah, stay tuned. We got another one coming. Woo woo woo! Bye! podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the NostalgiaNetwork.com for more. Hey everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Shelby. I'm Jake. And we are the band Lousy Advice from the Lousy Advice Podcast. Come listen as we draft artists and genre-centric best-of lists. With the help of our closest friends. These lists are canon. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. From misfits to share. Green Day to Gaga or Pup to Paramore. Listen to the Lousy Advice podcast now or else. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we are the band Lousy Advice and this is our podcast, the Lousy Advice podcast. The Lousy Advice podcast? The Lousy Advice podcast. Podcast. Podcast.